0: might see me getting excited I know that will be an unusual thing but um, oh my goodness gracious there's so much great revelation in this story but we've been on a study for several weeks now and we've been talking about what manner of man Jesus was when he was upon the earth why is that important for us to understand because we are called to be like Christ we are Christians ones like christ we have been anointed with the same spirit we have the holy spirit living on the inside of us he's with us he's for us he's in us he equips us he anoints us glory to god plus we can do what jesus did because jesus did all that he did by faith he heard from the father and he stepped out and obeyed whatever god told him to do he did it and that's the way we're called to live our lives amen We're called to live by faith. And if we're operating in faith and we're doing things like Jesus did, guess what we're going to get? Same kind of results that Jesus did. And so anyway, for the last couple of uh, services, we've been talking about Jesus and his faithfulness. Was Jesus faithful to do what his father instructed him to do? Can we rely upon Jesus? Is our God faithful Oh, I guarantee you this much. I'm sorry, I got off on that little cage in the way I say guarantee, but that's okay. Only my kids get bothered by that. (laughs) Guarantee. I guarantee. I guarantee guarantee. that this will greatly bless your life if you will begin to apply this in your life. We need to remind ourselves continuously of the faithfulness of God. We need to remind ourselves that he's always reliable. That he can always be counted on. Did you know this? If God lied just once, just once, it would be impossible for us to put our full trust in him. Now you could put somewhat of a tr- some, some trust in him, but not all your trust. And, I, and that's why the Bible brings out over and over and over and over again, it is impossible for God to lie. He cannot lie. Amen. He's not a man that he should repent, nor the son of man that he should. What? He does not lie. It's impossible for him to lie. He does not lie. It is impossible for him to lie. Meaning if he said it, he will do it. God looks over his word to perform it in our lives. If we're stepping out based upon his word, we can count on him. Amen. And this is something we need to continuously be rehearsing. This is something that we need to continuously be meditating in. God is faithful. Everybody say God is faithful. God is faithful. 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 Hallelujah. Now last week we looked at the life of Abraham and Sarah. And how they went from a point of laughing in doubt and unbelief. To a point of operating in great faith. We saw how when they first heard the promise of God that they were going to have a son. Their minds automatically kicked in and began to evaluate and calculate the the possibility of that promise coming to pass up against their current physical conditions. Abraham was 100, Sarah was 90. It didn't look too promising, did it? Plus, Sarah had been barren all of her life. And and then arriving at the conclusion that it was impossible, that it could not be done, they began to laugh. It was not a laugh of rejoicing. It was a laugh of doubt and unbelief. But praise God, we know they didn't stop there, did they? No, my friends, what we know and what we saw, instead of remaining loyal to their mind's conclusion, that it could not be done. They took the time and they sat down together. And they began to consider the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. They began to consider what great things the Lord had done for them. We saw how God had promised them to show them a land. And he did. We saw how he promised to bless them. And the Bible says that even though they went through a severe famine, they came out of it very rich in cattle and in silver and gold. We saw how God promised to make them a blessing. We saw how their nephew Lot ended up living a very prosperous life. All because of his relationship with Abraham. And we saw how God promised to make their name great. And that's exactly what happened after Abraham rescued Lot and his family. And returned all of their possessions from the warring kings using only 318 men to do so. And it was after they sat themselves down and they began to consider the faithfulness of God that they stepped out of the room of doubt and unbelief over into the realm of faith where God's promise to them of a son became a reality despite their physical conditions. Do you think that was an easy thing for them? Think about it. I want you to stop and think about it. I am 56 years old. I am a young buck. Why are you laughing? (laughs) But you know, right now, there is no way I can do what I could do when I was 20. There's no way I can do what my son can do. It, It kind of, he doesn't recognize or understand this right now. He'll come up and start to wrestle with me and do things with me. And I try to do it back to him. But in my mind, I'm going, I don't like to do this anymore because it really hurts. I wish he would stop that because if he keeps doing this, he's going to find out that he can whoop me now. And I don't want him to know that, but I've kind of given it away now, haven't I? My point is this, Abraham and Sarah were old. A hundred years old is pretty old. Have you ever met a person who was a hundred years old before? It's not like they're running around. Hi, how you doing? They're probably, you know, a lot of them are in wheelchairs. A lot of them are laid up in beds. A lot of them got canes or walkers or whatever. There might be a few that are getting around all right. But you're not going to ask them to go run a 100-yard sprint, are you? They don't have the physical capabilities to do that any longer. I mean, they might scoot along for a 100 yards or whatever the case might be, then sleep for 10 hours. But anyway... (laughs) I'm not trying to be mean or rude. I'm just trying to help us grasp this. And Sarah was 90. 90! 90! And she had never been able to have a child. And then all of a sudden, God says, you're going, to have, I'm a, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a child. You're going to have a child. Both of them laugh. I mean, they know their physical condition. As we've seen in the word, they did not focus in on the physical conditions or keep themselves in that room of impossibility. They began to recall God's faithfulness. And if Abraham and Sarah could do that, take their eyes off of what they could see, how they felt, and put their eyes on the promise of God, and were able to receive the promised son from him, how much more should that be true for us today? We've got the Word. We've got the Holy Written Bible. Are you listening? Do you see why it has been pressed upon my heart? And I'm endeavoring to get this across to you more and more and more. Every day you need to remind yourself we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by how we feel. We are called to live in accordance with the Word of God. Amen. Amen. No matter what. We're seeing out here, no matter how we're feeling, no matter what the people are telling us, no matter what kind of report comes in, we take God at his word. And when we live our lives that way, we're going to see God doing those things that man labeled impossible. You're going to see those kinds of things happening over and over and over and over and over over again. It's just like, and I don't remember, I think it was Robert Mueller, I could be wrong, who remembers The guy was over in England and had all the orphanages. Was it Robert Mueller? Who? Was it George Mueller? Had the orphanages over in England? But he makes the statement from that when he first started started these orphanages to the end of the time, you know, the end of his ministry, the end of his life, he said he got to the place where believing God for one dollar no, he said, excuse me. He got to the, at the end of his ministry. He said, I can believe God as easy for a million dollars today as I did it for a dollar when I first started out. Did you hear that? That's the what you're supposed to develop in your faith walk. You know, you've heard me say this before. Someone has given this church $32,000. I checked for $32,000. And we've had other checks besides that. Significant amounts. But that's the biggest check we've received. And when that took place, immediately my wife and I'd be changed because we were believing God someone was going to give us $25,000. Well, they went beyond that. But now we're believing God someone's going to write a check for a one-time check for $50,000. Amen. Some people might say, well, Pastor Dan, that sure seems a big, big amount. What is that to God? I mean, think about it. I want to ask you a simple question. Wouldn't you love to be the one that wrote the check for $50,000. I'm serious. I'm serious. I would love to be able to go into a church service and write a ministry, a check for $50,000. And Brother Hagin got to the point where people, he was believing God to write him a million dollar check. Then he was believing God to write him $2 million check. And he got it. Glory to God. Is, is, is he got more favor on his life? Is he, is he a more of a favorite of God than I am? Oh, friends, I am God's favorite i'm serious but so are you all of us are god's favorite children his favor is upon our lives and god wants to bless us so much amen Amen. glory to god praise the lord so listen when we are faced with an impossibility and our minds kick in it's going to automatically happen guys we got minds and that thing starts to roll over in our heads And it comes up and we're like going, it just can't happen. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to accomplish this. What do we do then? Side in with that and never receive from God? Or do we take the time, sit ourselves down, and begin to recall God's faithfulness in our lives?" Because if we will do that, just like Abraham and Sarah did it, we're going to see those impossible situations come to pass in our lives because we step out of the room of doubt and unbelief into the room of faith and we're able to receive from Him. Glory to God! Woo, I'm getting myself happy up here, glory to God. I haven't even got to my story yet. Thank you, Jesus. Go to 1 Samuel 17. I want to give you another example of an individual He recalled and relied upon the knowledge of God's faithfulness to bring him through a battle. A battle against what seemed like insurmountable odds. I guess you could even say they were gigantic odds. How many know where we're going? Now, I know you remember this story. Most of you do, I would assume. But do not read it like, oh, I already know that. Because if you're reading it like that or you're listening to it like that, you're not receiving it. Are you hearing me? Every time you hear the word of God. It should be fresh. It should be new. God's going to give me some new revelation today. Hallelujah. But here we have. The, the armies of Israel on one side of this valley. And the armies of the Philistines. On the other side of the valley. And the champion of the Philistine. Is this dude named Goliath. And Goliath is around 10 feet tall. 10 feet Tall. Ten feet tall. Come here, Big Dave. Is Big Dave in here? Come here, Big Dave. How tall are you, Big Dave? <laughs> six, six or six seven? six, seven? All right. I want you to stand up on those steps. That's about three feet, isn't it? Help me. Right around. Yeah, go all the way up. That's how big Goliath was is a big boy I mean Dave is a big boy anyway and you add that much to his stature and listen he wasn't a little you know sometimes you see the tall guys are real skinny this guy was a warrior this guy probably had he probably like but 10 feet tall I mean okay you can go thanks Dave you look so good up there I know he probably wanted to stand up for the rest of the service but no you can go sit praise God so, so he's a big guy Everybody's got that understanding now. Then look at verse 8 of 1 Samuel 17. Then he, speaking of Goliath, stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? I want you to notice something in this. I want you to notice what Goliath is doing here. He's trying to get these armies into fear. And I want you to notice what he keeps calling them. He says right here, aren't you the servants of Saul? He's wanting them to see themselves through their human abilities, in their natural abilities. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine says, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. we to tell you a little secret here. If the devil is able to get you to focus in on only your human uh, abilities and and, and, and who you are in the natural, you're going to get over into fear. Did you hear what I just said? And that's exactly what's happening here. Friends, these Israelites aren't just afraid, they're greatly afraid. They're shaking in their boots. They didn't know what to do. So from all of this is going on, Jesse sends David, his youngest son, who wasn't there at the time. He sends his son to the front lines to bring his older brother some, some food. Now, pick it up in verse 20. So David arose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out into the, to the fight, shouting for the battle. Now, again, I just want to remind you, where's Brendan at? Is he here? Come here, Robert, you'll do. Robert is a little bit older for this, but he'll do. Robert, think of Robert as David. Think of Big Dave as Goliath. But most theologians believe that David at this point in time was only 16. 16. So he's a lad. He's not an adult adult. He's not been in war. He's not done anything of those kinds of things up to this point. He's just a young man, like Robert is. So everybody got that picture in your mind now. I want you to get, get this picture in your mind. Okay, you can go sit down now. Thank you for letting me, for coming up so quickly. Praise God. Amen. So where are we at? So David arose, and then he came, and they're shouting for the battle. So verse 21. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army, And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper. He ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. So he's just like an excited little fellow. He's happy. He's going up to the front of the battle lines. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Goth, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled for him and were dreadfully afraid. So at this point in time. Things aren't looking so good for the armies of Israel, are they? Goliath has been coming out day after day after day and challenging them. Send someone out. Send your best man out. And him and me will fight. If you win, if he beats me, we're going to be your servants. But if I win, you're going to be my servants. You're going to be the servants of the Philistines. And, And so this day something different happens what happens differently david overhears this look at verse 26 then david spoke to the men who stood by him saying what shall be done for the man who kills this philistine and takes away the reproach from israel i want you to notice something right here for who is this uncircumcised philistine who is this man who is not in covenant with almighty god That he should defy the armies of Israel? That he should defy the armies of Saul? No, he says that he should defy the armies of the living God. What is David doing differently than the armies of Israel were doing? His focus is on on God. On his covenant with God. Can you see the difference? Hallelujah, you're going to see the difference in just a moment. Praise Lord. Look at verse 31. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. So he doesn't even know who this is. Sends for David. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Speaking of Goliath, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. I mean, think about it. He's a 16-year-old kid. You can't handle this big giant. For you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. So basically what happens, David's words get back to Saul. Saul gets a little bit excited. Finally, someone's going to step up at the plate, fight for the the armies of Israel. And then all of a sudden, here comes a 16-year-old lad into his presence. And he looks at him and says, dude, come on now. I appreciate your zeal, but you don't have a chance against that big giant over there. You are nothing but a teenager. Verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it, delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. What's he doing right now? He is killing the bear. He is killing the lion. But he's reminding himself. He's reminding himself. Of God's faithfulness to keep him. Glory to God. Your, verse 36. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine. Will be like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Again. Where is David's focus? On God. And on his covenant with God. Hallelujah. Moreover David said. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion. From the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Do you see that? David is speaking faith. And his faith is based upon the faithfulness of God to always be there to help him, protect him, and, and enable him to ho- overcome insurmountable odds. I mean, it ain't like a 16-year-old boy all the time can go up and grab the mane of a lion and beat it to death. I was watching something the other day uh, 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 on, I don't know, one, one of them things, YouTube or something. But this, 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 this lion was in a cage. And this one guy had had was in there. I don't know what he was in there for. But this other guy had kind of, you know, was getting the lion distracted and had some food over there. And then all of a sudden, this lion kind of turns and sees the man. And the man turns and sees that the lion's looking at him. And then all of a sudden, the lion takes off running. And the lion grabs this guy and begins to throw him around. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, there's people who were recording it. It was a lady. She's screaming the highest. I mean, this lion's going to town on this guy. This is an adult. This is someone who had dealt with this lion probably before. And yet here we have David talking about how, hey, when a lion came along, took one of my sheep that I was watching, that I was given direction to guard. All of a sudden I went out and I grabbed that lion I beat it over the head and said, give me back my lamb. And then when that lion turned around and said, what's up, boy? I turned around and I beat it some more. And I beat it some more until I killed it. I'm talking about something that is not natural. It is supernatural. He knew who he was. He recognized that he was in covenant with Almighty God. And God... The same God who delivered the lion into his hands. And the same God who delivered the bear into his, his hands. He knew that the, that same God would deliver that big old ugly uncircumcised Philistine into his hands. Woo, glory to God. That blesses me to know in right there. I could shout and I think I already am. Praise Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, thank you Lord. Now look at verse 40. Well, what's neat about this, if you, I I don't remember where I got that, what verse it's in, but how Saul now responds to him. After he hears David, you know, because Saul said, no, you can't do it. David shares what he shares with him. All of a sudden, Saul gets over into faith himself. Okay, you go do it. You go do what you're telling me you're going to do. Now, look at verse 40. Then he took off his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth. He was ruddy and good looking. Kind of funny how they bring that out, but they do. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead and fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed Over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And struck the Philistine and killed him. Glory to God. I love that story. David took the time. And recalled the faithfulness of God. Didn't he? Hallelujah. And when he took off to face that giant. He was in so much faith. That his God was going to come through for him once again. He didn't go up to the Goliath sheepishly. He ran at him. And glory to God, he got everything that he said what he was going to get. He killed him. And the Bible goes on to say, he goes up and takes Goliath's own sword and cuts his head off. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see, see, mama, I like to envision these things. I like to envision David running, a 16 year old boy running up against a big old giant. And you know, he probably had scars. He was a, I mean, they, they said he was a huge javelin. I mean, it was a big old thing, big old shield, all of this stuff. What does that do? God. His focus, David's focus was on God. You've delivered me before. You're going to deliver this giant into my hands now why do we get so caught up when things come against us that are so gigantic and they're screaming at us i'm going to take you down this time i'm going to kill you i'm going to destroy you and we get ah no our god is able to deliver us this time just like what he did for david and just like what he did for for every one of us he is faithful He's faithful. He will always do what he has promised us. Amen? Now go with me in closing to Hebrews chapter 10. Whoo! Glory to God. Hopefully you see the importance of considering the faithfulness of God before ever stepping out in a faith adventure. But I want to take a few moments and look at the importance of also reminding yourself of God's faithfulness from the time you release your faith to the manifestation of what you're believing God for here in this natural realm. Hebrews 11, excuse me, Hebrews 10 23. The Bible says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. The King James Version and some other versions actually call, say, Let us hold fast the confession of our faith. You understand that faith is the substance of things hoped for, hope is a part of our faith. So let us hope fast the confession of our faith our hope without wavering. Now, once we step out in a faith adventure, how many understand that's when the real fight begins? It's called the fight of faith. We're going to be challenged to let go of whatever it is we're believing God for. In other words, we're going to have opportunities to waver and give up on our faith adventures. That's why here in Hebrews 10, 23, it's telling us to hold fast to our confession of faith. The words hold fast literally mean to tightly wrap our arms around and embrace it with all our might. Refusing, rejecting, refusing to let go, rejecting all attempts of anyone to try to steal it away from us. That's what those words mean there. In other words, we ain't letting go. It's like a bull... With a I me mean, a bulldog with a new bone. I don't know if a bull would eat a bone, but anyway. But we're not going to let go. That's the way it has to be. Well, if the writer of Hebrews knew that once we got over into faith, we'd have the opportunity to waver, wouldn't it be logical for him to give us the information as to what realm we might waver in? Well, look at the remainder of this verse. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So we can see that the realm we're going to be challenged in after beginning a faith adventure is not what God has said, but instead is God faithful. Will he do what he said he will do? Friends, I'm convinced one of the main reasons Not the only reason, but one of the main reasons so many folks end up shipwrecked after starting out in faith is because they fail to continue to judge God faithful who has promised. Listen, the devil's not going to come along and say to you, did God really say by his stripes you were healed? He's not going to come along and say, did God really say? my God shall supply all your, word, all your needs according to his riches and glory. All we got to then do is say, uh, I got the Bible. I can see it very clearly right here in the word. Obviously, it's right here, devil. Don't stop being so stupid. So instead of coming and saying that to us, what does he do? He comes along and says things like this. Is God going to come through for you this time? Not this time. Not this time. He's not going to do it for you this time. How, has anybody besides me ever had those thoughts go through your head? Not this time. Not this time. What's he trying to get us to do? Doubt God's word or doubt, doubt God's faithfulness? Do you see that? Friends, the devil wants us to let go of our confession of faith because if he, he knows if we keep holding on to it, And refuse to let go of it. That promise will eventually manifest in this natural realm. So he will come. And he will try to get us. To doubt the faithfulness of our God. Will God come through for us this time? But that's when we need. To take the time. And remind ourselves. Of just how faithful. God has always been in our lives. That's when we need to take the time. And consider what great things he's done for you and me. And one of the best ways, as I mentioned this last week, but today I found it so that you can see how I did it. I, the, this is, this, you might think this is so, I don't know, I don't even know why. So simple, but it is so simple. But you've got to learn to do something like this. You've got, I, I wrote down at the top, for consider what great things the Lord has done for you. And then I began. I wrote down and listed all of those different things. Saved me from eternal damnation. Saved me to eternal bliss spent in his presence. Chose my family and me and all of Joan's family to be a part of his family. All of us are children of the Most High God. He delivered me from a life of drugs and alcohol and sexual immorality. He called me into the ministry. I was a youth pastor for 14 plus years. I was a children's pastor for 10 plus years. I was an assistant pastor for 10 plus years. I was a, I've been a senior pastor now for 10 plus years. He blessed me with a beautiful wife. He blessed us with our wonderful children. He blessed us with celebration of life church and you this wonderful church family. He uh, one of the things I'm believing God for is Canaan land Northwest, hallelujah. Uh, he blessed me with wonderful friends in the ministry. He's given us, a, he gave us a beautiful home in Missoula and he's given us a beautiful home in Belgrade and glory to God, we are out of debt except for what we owe on our mortgage. And we have a whole lot more equity in our home than when we first started out. To God be all the glory. But what am I doing? And that's, and I could just just. The, the testimony today, when I shared with you what happened with Pastor Joan, when she sold a hundred dollars, here comes over fifteen hundred dollars back to us. Hello, that's God being faithful. That's God coming through for us. And, and and what that does for you? Listen, when you step out in faith, one of the things you get attacked with, especially when you step out in faith and you're believing God for something. And it's taking time, I mean time, a week, a month, a few months, over a year, two years, five years, now what are you going to do? The tendency is, and, and I know how this is, I must have done something wrong. But let me ask you a question. Is stepping out in faith so difficult to do? Well, All I got to do is find out what God has said in his word. All I got to do is see what he's right here. What's in the Bible? Get this in my heart. And to release the faith from my mouth. And when I do that. I know God's going to come through for me. But then I've got all this time. And it still has not taken place yet. What am I going to do in the meantime? Because if I don't do something. I'm going to give up. Number, You start to praise him. You lift your voice and you praise him. God, I don't care how long this takes. I'm going to keep on believing you and trusting in you. Because I know you're coming through for me. And then take the time and remind yourself of his faithfulness. God is faithful. He is dependable. He is reliable. He is trustworthy. He will come through for you this time. Just like He has in the past. God is faithful. Hallelujah. My God is faithful. What are you believing Him for? What have you stepped out for in faith? If you stepped out based upon the Word of God... You will get what you're stepping out for. I can't tell you exactly when it's going to manifest. I cannot give you an answer to that question. But the bottom line says to keep standing. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, to destruction. We are of those of faith. We're going to keep standing, fighting the fight of faith. And whatever it is we're believing God for, it will come to pass. I'm telling you, don't let go. I know. You know the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. You ever heard that scripture? It's in Proverbs. What's that referring to? That means a lot of times when things you're believing God for haven't happened yet, you're like, oh. And if you keep focusing in on the fact that it hasn't happened yet, you're going to find yourself getting worse and worse and worse mentally above anything else to the place where finally you say, this stuff doesn't work. I have met way too many Christians who gave up on going to church altogether because God didn't come through for them the way they thought God should come through for them. People have, se- people have said this to me i'm in faith pastor dan i'm believing god pastor dan and i'll look at them i say, what scriptures are you standing on and they'll look at me and say bat their eyes well 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 god did it for them that's not my question what scriptures are you standing on faith is based upon what What God did for somebody else. Oh that will encourage you in your faith. Because God doesn't play favorites. But unless you're in faith based upon the truth of God's word. Unless you're standing on the rock. Then you're not really in faith. But get this if you are in faith. And when you step out. And it's taking longer than you thought it was going to take. Keep on rejoicing in God. Keep praising his name. My God is coming through for me again. I know, glory to God, I'm going to see the full manifestation of it. And I'm going to be able to stand up and testify. Let the people know that this stuff is working in my life. And I know that my God will continue to do this because my God is faithful. He's faithful. Do not allow doubt. Do not, I'll say it this way. Do not stay in the room of doubt and unbelief. Don't stay there. Get over in the realm of faith. In that room of faith. And I promise you, you stay there. and You keep reminding yourself of God's faithfulness. You will see whatever it is you're believing God for. Amen? Glory to God. Now, the next time we get together, Lord willing. Hey, it's up to him. I want his service. It's not mine. But the next time we get together, I want to start talking about it from our perspective. We're called to be like Jesus. Is Jesus, is God faithful? Well, if we're his followers, we're called to be faithful. And I, I, I say this to my kids all the time. You want to increase in your life? Be found faithful. Be found faithful. God did not even put it on my heart for a moment to be a senior pastor when I was over at, with Pastor Jim. Never even gave it a thought. I was focused on what I was doing, what God had called me to do there. To be the youth minister, become the children's pastor, and be the associate pastor. I did it all. I mean, I'm not bragging. I'm just letting you know that's what we, we cleaned the church. I, you know, I mowed, I weed whacked. I did, I mean, I did practically everything besides lead the praise and worship, although I did lead the praise and worship in the youth. My point is, it wasn't until I was found faithful all that time all that time of doing what I did as unto the Lord, I mean, I had people tell me. I had people come up to me and tell me who graduated from the same Bible school, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you stick it out here. I don't know how you continue to, you know, remain doing what you're doing. And it, it kind of took me aback. And I said, This is what God's called me to do, this is who God's called me to be. But it was then that God. Rewarded my faithfulness and brought increase to my life and said, I want you to go start a church in Bozeman. After over 12 years being over there. And now here I am 10 years later, pastoring you, pastoring this church. And I, you know, if the Lord calls me on to something else, hallelujah. But I'm not going to leave you floundering around. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> Don't everybody's like, oh. I'm not saying that at all. I'm, I've been called to pastor you. And I'm honored by that. At, at the same time, tremendously humbled by that. I can't do this in and of myself. But I know this much. If you want to increase in your life, and I know everybody does, you've got to be found faithful. Faithful to do what God is telling you to do. That's the only way you're going to see the increase, my friends. How many want to increase in your life? Does anybody, put, put your hands down. How many, and I, I want to see if anybody's bold enough. Is there anybody in here who doesn't want increase in your life? How many want to see decrease in your life? How many want to see your life going, spiraling downward? Nobody wants that. Well, if you want, if I, I'm, I'm kind of like giving you a secret right here, for a lot of people at least, you want to see the increase, be found faithful. And we're going to talk about that next week, Lord willing, amen. Glory to God. Have you guys getting something out of this? Aren't you thankful for God's faithfulness? Aren't you thankful that Jesus was always faithful to do what his father told him to do? Amen. I tell you what, this kind of, story, this kind of revelation can change your life forever. I want to go up higher. How about you? I, I am not satisfied with where I am. I know I'm saying something really funny because Tammy's losing it. Back. <laughs> Glory to God. in other words she's running on exhaust right now hallelujah glory to god praise the lord praise the lord well let's pray bow your heads and let's pray father in the name of jesus christ we thank you today for the word of god that has come forth.